Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning, it's 5.30 in the morning and Peyton is still sleeping because she is a kid and she likes to be asleep and she wishes it was summer, right? Oh my gosh, do you wish it was summer right now so you could sleep in? Okay. That, that very erratic turn away from me means yes. Yes. Okay, well then how about I read to you? So maybe you can slowly wake up. Ooh, mornings are hard sometimes, huh, guys? Man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Okay. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the 12th, The Penultimate Peril. Chapter 12. The man with the beard but no hair stood up from the concierge desk, his knees bumping against the little bells that had sent the Baudelaire orphans on their errands. The woman with hair but no beard pointed a finger at the three children that looked as crooked as she was. The finger had been broken long ago in a dispute over a game of backgammon, which is another story that would take at least 13 books to describe. But the Baudelaire story, the Baudelaire story, the thing, but in the Baudelaire story, the finger only made this brief appearance as it pointed to the children in alarm. The Baudelaire's have to take off their blood. The Baudelaire's have taken off their blindfolds, cried the villainous woman in her low, deep voice. Yes, agreed the villainous man in his hoarse voice. They're guilty of contempt of court. We certainly are, Violet agreed fiercely. This court is worthless and dishonorable. The two judges are notorious villains, Klaus. uh, The two judges are notorious villains, Klaus announced over the gasp of the crowd. Peek, Sonny cried. Nobody peek, ordered the man with a beard but no hair. Anyone who peeks will be turned over to the authorities. Take off your blindfolds, Violet Violet begged. Count Olaf is kidnapping Justice Strauss this very moment. Hmm, Justice Strauss uh, said in agreement behind behind the tape. Justice Strauss is enjoying a piece of saltwater taffy, the woman with hair but no beard said quickly. That's why she's talking in hmms. She's not enjoying anything, Klaus said. If there are any volunteers in the crowd, take off your blindfolds and help us. The children are trying to trick you, said the man with a beard but no hair. Keep your blindfolds on. Yes, cried the woman with hair but no beard. They're trying to get all of these noble people arrested by the authorities. Real McCoy, Sonny yelled. I think the children might be telling the truth, Jerome Squalor said hesitantly. Those brats are liars, Esme snapped. They're the worst. They're worse than my ex-boyfriend. I believe them, Charles said, scratching his blindfold. They've experienced villainy before. I don't, sir, exclaimed. The children The children could not tell if he was wearing a blindfold underneath the cloud of smoke that still hung over his head. They're nothing but trouble. Sorry, guys, I have to take coffee, coffee drinks. Okay. Okay. They're telling the truth. Frank cried, pr- 
probably, unless, unless it was Ernest. They're lying, cried Ernest, most likely, although I suppose it could have been Frank. They're good students, said Romera. They're lousy administrative assistants, said Vice Principal Nero. They're bank robbers, said Mr. Ba- Mrs. Bass, or Bass, I don't know how to say her name, who, whose blindfold was covering her small, narrow mask. Bank robbers, Mr. Poe asked? Egod, who said that? They're guilty, cried a man with beard but no hair, although the high court wasn't supposed to reach the verdict until all of the evidence had been examined. They're innocent, cried Hal. They're freaks, cried Hugo. They're twisted, shrieked Colette. They're right-handed, yelled Kevin. They're head... They're... Whoa. They're headlines, screeched Geraldine Julian. They're escaping, said the woman with hair but no beard. At this, at least, was a true statement. Violet, Klaus, and Sonny realized that the crowd was going to do nothing that would stop Count Olaf from dragging Justice Strauss away from the trial and that the people in the lobby would fail them, but so, as so many noble people had failed them before. <sighs> as the volunteers made their way quickly and stealthily from the bench towards Justice Strauss and Count Olaf, who was picking up the harpoon gun, if you ever wanted more cookies... If you ever wanted one more cookie than people who said that you could have, then you know how difficult it is to remove quickly and stealthily, stealthily at the same time. But if you've had, if you've had as much experience as the Baudelaire's and dodging activity as the people who are shouting at you, then you know that it was enough practice that can that you can quickly move quickly and stealthily just about anywhere, including across an enormous doom, domed lobby, while crowds call you for capture. We must capture them, called a voice in the crowd. I will take, I will take a village, it will take a village to capture the Baudelaire's, shrieked Mrs. Morrow. We can't see them through our blindfolds. We don't want to be guilty in contempt of court, yelled Mr. Lesko. Let's feel our way towards the hotel entrance so they can't escape. The authorities are guarding the entrance, the man with no beard, with a beard but no hair reminded the crowd. The Baudelaire's are running towards the elevators. The Baudelaire's are running towards the elevators. Capture them. But don't capture anyone else who happens to be standing near the elevators, added a woman with hair but no beard, looking looking hurriedly at Olaf. The sliding doors of the elevator began to open, and the Baudelaire's moved as quickly and as stealthily as they could through the crowd, who were reaching out blindly in their direction. Oh, in all directions. Search the entire hotel, the villainous man said, and bring anyone to us that you find suspicious. We'll tell, uh, we'll tell you if they're villains or not," said the villainous woman. "After all, you can't make such a judgment yourself." <sighs> Wrong. The enormous clock on the hotel denouement, the stuff of legends, announced one o'clock, thundering through the room of blindfolds, leading the blindfolded. Just as the three siblings reached the elevator. Count Olaf had already dragged Justice Strauss inside and was hurriedly pressing the button that closes the elevator doors, but Sunny stuck out one of her feet and held the moment open, which is something only a bra- only pra- brave people attempt. Olaf leaned forward to whisper something threateningly to the Baudelaire's. Let me go, he whispered threateningly, or I'll announce to everyone who you are. Olaf, <laughs> Olaf however, was not the only person who could whisper threateningly, let us in, Violet whispered threateningly, or we'll announce to everyone who you are. Hmm, Justice Strauss said, 
Count Olaf glared at the children, and the children glared back until the villain stepped inside and let the Baudelaire's join join him and his prisoner and and his prisoner in the elevator. By the way, everybody already knows who the Baudelaire's are, huh, Peyton? Nope, she's not listening because she's sleeping. Bye bye. You gotta wake up. I'm reading. <laughs> Going down, he asked, and the children blinked. They had been so intent on escaping the crowd that they that reaching the judge. And reaching the judge, they hadn't considered exactly where they might go afterwards. We're going wherever you are, Klaus said. I have a few errands to run, Olaf said. Ha, first I'm going down to the basement to receive the sugar, retrieve the sugar bowl. Ha, and then I'm going up to the roof to retrieve the medusoid mycelium. Ha, and then I'm going down back to the lobby to expose the fungus to everybody in the lobby. Ha, then I'm finally going up to the roof to escape without being seen by authorities. You'll fail, Sonny said, and Olaf glared down at the youngest Baudelaire. Your mother told me the same thing, he said. Ha, but one day, when I was seven years old, the elevator doors slid open, and they had arrived at the basement. The villain, the villain, was interrupted him, the villain interrupted himself quickly and dragged Justice Strauss out into the hallway. Follow me, he called to the Baudelaires. The children, of course, did not want to follow this horrid man any more than they wanted to put cream cheese in their hair but they looked at one another and could not think of what else to do you can't retrieve the sugar bowl violet said you'll never open that vernacularly fastened door can't i olaf's asked stopping at room 025 the lock was still stretched securely over the door as it had been when sunny left it this hotel is like an enormous library the villain said but you can find any item in the library if you have one thing catalog sunny asks no, Olaf replied, pointed and pointed a harpoon gun at the judge, a hostage. With that, he turned to Justice Strauss and ripped the tape off of her mouth very slowly so it would sting as much as possible. You're going to help me with this lock, he informed her with a wicked smile. I will do no such thing of the sort, Justice Strauss replied. The Baudelaire's will help me drag you back up to the lobby where justice can be served. Justice isn't being served in the library, Olaf growled growled or anywhere else in the world don't be sure of that justice strauss said and reached behind her back the baudelaires looked hopefully to see what she was holding but their hopes fell when they saw what it was odious lusting after finance she read out loud holding up holding up jerome squalor's comprehensive history of injustice there's enough evidence in here to put you in jail for the rest of your life justice strauss violet said follow your fellow judges on the high court are associates of count olaf those villains will never put Olaf in jail. It can't be, Justice Strauss gasped. I've known them for years. I've told them everything that was happening to you children, and they were very interested. Well, of course they were interested, you fool, Olaf said. They passed along all the information to me so I could catch up with the orphans. You've been helping me all along without even knowing it. Ha! Justice Strauss leaned against the ornamental vase and her eyes filled with tears. I've failed you again, Baudelaire's, she said. No matter how I've tried to help you, I've only put you into more danger. I thought justice would be served if you told, uh, if you told the high courts your story. But no one's interested in their story, Count Olaf said scornfully. Even if you wrote down every last detail, no one reads such a dreadful thing. <laughs> I think we're reading it right now, right, Peyton? No one would read such a dreadful thing. I've triumphed over these orphans over and over again, and any other, over any other person. 
foolish or noble enough to stand in my way. It's the unraveling of my story, or as the French would say, the noblesse oblige. The denouement, Sonny corrected, but Olaf acted as though he had not heard and turned to see his attention to the lock on the door. That idiot sub-sub said that the first phrase of the description of the medical condition that all three Baudelaire children shared, he muttered, and turned to Justice Strauss. Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is or prepare to eat harpoon. Never, said Justice Strauss. I may have failed these children, but I won't fail VFD. You'll never get the sugar bowl, no matter what terrible threats you make. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the first phrase is, Klaus said calmly, and his sibling looked at him in astonishment. Justice Strauss looked at him in amazement. Even Count Olaf seemed to look at him a little puzzled. You will, he asked. Certainly, Klaus said. It's just like you said, Count Olaf. Every noble person has failed us. Why should we protect the sugar bowl? Klaus, Violet and Sunny cried in simultaneous astonishment. No, Justice Christ out. Justice Strauss cried in solitary amazement. Olaf looked a little puzzled again, and then he shrugged and dusted his shoulders. Okay, he said, tell me what the medical condition is that you and your orphan siblings have. Allergic, we're allergic to peppermints, Klaus said, and quickly typed in allergic to peppermint and into the lock. Immediately, there was a muted clicking sound from the typewriter on the keyboard. It's warming up, Count Olaf said. In a delighted voice, in a delighted wheeze, get out of the way, four eyes. The second phrase is a weapon that left me an orphan, and I can type that in myself. P-O-Y-Z. Wait, Klaus said before Olaf could touch the keyboard. That can't be right. That doesn't spell anything. Spelling doesn't count, said the count. Yes, it does, Klaus said. Tell me what the weapon is that you left that left you an orphan, and I'll type it in for you. Count Olaf gave Klaus a slow smile that made the Baudelaire shudder. Certainly, I'll tell you, he said. It was a poisonous darts. It was poisonous darts. Klaus looked at his sister and then a grim, in grim silence typed in poisonous, po- poison darts into the lock, which began to buzz quietly. Count Olaf's eyes shone brightly as he stared at the wires of the lock, which began to shake as they stretched around the hinges of the library door. It's working, he said, and he ran his tongue over his filthy teeth. The sugar bowl was so close I can taste it. Klaus took his commonplace book and out of his pocket and read the notes intently for a moment, and then he turned to Justice Strauss. Give me that book, please, he said, pointing to Jerome Squaller's book. The third phrase is a famous, unfathomable question in the best-known novel by Richard Wright. Richard Wright was an American novelist of the real realist story whose writings illuminated and the the disparities of the race relations. It is likely that his work is quoted to have comprehensive history and justice. You can't read that entire book, Count Olaf said. The crowd will find us before you finish the first chapter. I'll look in the index, Klaus said. Just like I did Aunt Josephine's when we decoded her note for and found her hiding place. I always wondered how you did that, Olaf said, sounding almost as if he admired the middle Baudelaire his research in his researching skills klaus page to the back of the book where the index can usually be found an index as i'm sure you know is a list of everything that the book contains and where each item can be found right richard klaus read out loud unfathomable question in the native sun page 581 that's 581 that's 
581 first page count wait that's the 500 581st page okay count olaf explained for no one's benefit a phrase here which means even though that it was clear to everyone in the hallway klaus flipped hurriedly to the proper page and scanned it quickly his eyes blinking behind his glasses i found it he said quietly it's quite an interesting question actually no one cares about interesting questions olaf said type in type it in this instant Klaus smiled and began typing furiously into the typewriter keyboard. His sister stepped forward, and each of them put a hand on their brother's shoulder. Why do this, Sunny said. Sunny's right, Violet said. Why are you helping Olaf get into the laundry room? The middle Baudelaire typed in the last word into the keyboard, which was Toplin, T-O-Topling, T-O-P-P-L-I-N-G, and then looked at his sisters. Because the sugar bowl isn't in there, he said, and pushed the door open. What do you mean, Count Olaf? demanded of course the sugar bowl is in there i'm afraid olaf is right justice strauss said you heard what dewey said when the crows were when the crows were shot with the harpoon blah 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 with the harpoon gun they fell into the bird paper and dropped the sugar bowl until the sugar bowl into the funnel well so it would appear klaus said slyly enough nonsense count olaf shouted waving his harpoon gun in the air and stomping into the laundry room in just a few minutes, however, it was clear that the middle Baudelaire had spoken the truth. The laundry room of the Hotel Denouement was just a small, large, but was very small, just large enough to hold a few washing and drying machines, some piles of dirty sheets, and a few plastic jugs of what were presumably some extremely flammable chemicals, just as Dewey had said. A metal tube hung over the corner of the ceiling, allowing steam from the machine to float up in the tubes and outside, but there was no sign of the sugar bowl that the sugar bowl had fallen through the funnel and dropped out of the metal tube in the wooden floor of the library room. With a hoarse, angry roar, Count Olaf opened the door of the washing and drying machines and then slammed them closed, then picked up piles of dirty sheets and sent them tumbling to the floor. Where is it? He snarled and spit fly from his furious mouth. Where is the sugar ball? It's a secret, Klaus said. A secret that died with Dewey Denouement. Count Olaf turned back to face the Baudelaire orphans, who had never seen him look this frightening. His eyes never gleamed so brightly, and his smile had never been so so piquant, a word here which means hungry for evil deeds to be unhealthy. Hold on, I'm sitting up. Hello. Okay. Um, unhealthy. It was not like the face of Dewey. It was unlike the, it was not unlike the face of Dewey had been as he sank into the water as if the villains of his own wickedness was was causing him great pain. He won't be the only volunteer who dies today, he said with a terrible whisper. I'll destroy every soul in this hotel. Sugar bowl or no sugar bowl. I'll unleash the medusoid mycelium in the volunteer's and villains alike will perish in agony. My comrades have failed me as often as my enemies, and I'm eager to be to be rid of them. Then I'll push that boat off the roof and sail away with... You can't push the boat off the roof, Violet said. It would never survive the fall due to the force of gravity. I suppose I'll have to add the force of gravity to my list of enemies, Olaf mur- muttered. Uh, I'll get that boat off the roof. I'll get that boat off of the roof, Violet said. Her siblings calmly... She said to her siblings calmly, and her siblings looked at her in astonishment. Justice Strauss looked at her in amazement, and even Count Olaf seemed a little puzzled. You will? he asked. Certainly, Violet said. It's just like you said, Count Olaf. 
Everyone, every noble person has failed us. Why shouldn't we help you escape? Violet sent Klaus and Sunny cried in simultaneous astonishment. No, Justice Kraus cried in solitary amazement. Count Olaf looked still puzzled, but gave the eldest Baudelaire a shrug. Okay, he said. What do you need? A few of those dirty sheets, Violet said. I'll tie them together and make a drag shoot. Just like I did in the Mortmain Mountains when I stopped the caravan from falling off the mountain. I always wondered how you did that, Olaf said, looking to the old old eldest Baudelaire as if he respected her inventing skills. Violet, Violet walked into the laundry room and gathered some sheets into her arms and trying to choose the least dirty of the bunch. Let's go to the roof, she said quietly. Her siblings stepped forward and each of them put a hand on their sister's shoulder. Why do this? Sunny asked. Sunny's right, Klaus said. Why are you helping Olaf escape? The eldest Baudelaire looked at the sheets in her hand and then at her siblings. Because he'll take his with him, she said. Why would I do that? Olaf asked. Because you need more than one person in a crew, Violet said slyly, and we need to leave this hotel without being spotted by the authorities. I suppose that's true, Olaf said. Well, you would have ended up in my clutches any case. Come along. Not yet, Sunny said. One more thing. Baudelaire, everyone stared at the youngest Baudelaire, who was wearing an expression so unfathomable that not even her siblings could tell what she was thinking. One more thing, Count Olaf repeated, staring down at Sunny. What could that be? The two eldest Baudelaire's looked at their sister and felt a cold ripple in their stomachs as if a stone had somehow been dropped straight into the siblings. It was very difficult to make one's way into the world without being a wicked at one time or another when the world is so wicked to begin with, when unfathomable situations arose in the lives of the Baudelaire's and they did not know what to do. The children often felt as if they were balancing very delicately on the top of something very fragile and very dangerous, and that if they weren't careful, they might fall a very long way to the sea of wickedness. Violet felt this delicate balance when she offered to help Count Olaf escape, even though it meant that she and her siblings could escape too. And Klaus felt this delicate balance when he helped out Count Olaf unlock the laundry room door, even though the sugar bowl would not be found inside. And, of course, all three Baudelaire orphans helped this delicate balance when they thought about Dewey Denouement and his terrible instant that and that terrible ins oh, sorry pain and that terrible instant when the weapons in their hands brought about his death. But Sunny answered Count Olaf's question. The clock of the hotel Denouement struck two wrongs, and her siblings wondered if they had lost their balance at last and were tumbling away from the noble people in the world. Burned down the hotel, Sunny said, and all three Baudelaire's orphans felt as if they were falling. Are they turning into bad guys? Okay, Peyton, is that how this book ends? Are they turn into bad guys? Okay, because if that's how the series ended, that would actually be kind of funny. That would actually be like, nobody saw that coming. That would actually, would actually be kind of brilliant. Hmm. Interesting. Something to think about.